This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, was one of radio's longest-running shows, airing October 12th of 1937 to April 19th of 1955, continuing well into the television era. It was produced by Frank and Ann Hummert, who based it upon Robert Chambers' 1906 novel, The Tracer of Lost Persons. Bennett Kilpack began as Mr. Keene in 1937, with Arthur Hughes and then Philip Clark stepping into the role later on in the series. The kindly Keene and his faithful assistant Mike Clancy, played by Jim Kelly, entertained listeners for 18 years. With 1,690 nationwide broadcasts, Mr. Keene was the most resilient private detective in a namesake role. The nearest competitors were Nick Carter, Master Detective, 726 broadcasts, and The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes with 657 shows. Only 59 of the 1,690 Mr. Keene programs are known to survive. Al Rickey's band provided the background music, including the program's theme, Someday I'll Find You. Here's the show first aired in 1944, entitled The Girl Who Sang Too Well. Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, is on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Colonel's Two Space present Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. One of the most famous characters of American fiction and one of radio's most thrilling dramas. Tonight and every Thursday night from 7.30 to 8 Eastern Wartime, the famous oil investigator will take from his files and bring to us one of his most celebrated missing persons cases. But first, for bright, sparkling teeth, a million-dollar smile, try the new Colonel's toothpaste. It's a high-polishing toothpaste that acts like a jeweler's polish, removing tarnish from silver. Safely, speedily, it whisks away dingy surface stains that cloud your smile and reveals the full natural brilliance of your teeth. Get the new high-polishing Colonos at any drugstore tonight. Ask for Colonos Toothpaste. K-O-L-Y-N-O-S. <laughs> Now, Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. Tonight, our story opens in one of the great movie palaces of Broadway, the Palladium, where for three weeks, the stage presentation has been a sensational success. Gip Gordon's Review, starring Lola Bennett. 
As the spotlight cuts across the vast theater to the stage, it falls on a beautiful golden-haired girl, Lola Bennett, singing in the wistful style that has made her a hit overnight. last night? No, Mr. Keene. In all my years in show business, I've never known anything like it to happen. You tried her home, Mr. Gordon? Uh, call me Skip, won't you? Well, sure, we tried her home, and no soap. I, I don't get it, Mr. Keene. Especially since she knew we were going to give her a farewell party, too, after the show. A farewell party? That was her last performance with my review. She goes into the Skytop Club this weekend at Star Attraction. I made her take the offer. How do you mean? Well, I had her under contract ever since I found her singing in Cleveland six months ago. The minute she got the right song, she went over like wildfire. Now the Skytop wants her. Well, when they sent her the contract, she showed it to me and said... No, sir. I'm not signing that contract. Oh, don't be crazy, kid. It doubles your pay. Gives you top billing. Kip, you've been just wonderful to me. You taught me how to dress, to carry myself, to really think. I'm not walking out on you. Look, Lola. Here's another contract. Yours and mine. Well... You've torn it up. I'm no jail warden, baby. You're heading straight for the top, and I'm not holding you back. Not on your life. Kip, that was very generous of you. Generous, Mr. Keith? I love Lola. You know, I've never told her. Never told her? 
wouldn't even have looked at me. Oh, but find Lola, Mr. King. That's all I'm asking. Find Lola. Well, the place to start is obviously the Palladium, where she was last seen. That's a famous old house, as I remember. Ah, uh, sure. In the old vaudeville days, we used to talk about making the Palladium. Yeah. <laughs> you played there, it meant you were good. Still does. And Lola made it with this engagement? Three smash weeks. All right, kid. Let's go. <laughs> Gordon. Oh, by the way, Mr. Keene, this is the stage doorman, Charlie Barnes. How do you do? Glad to know you, sir. You think you'll find her? I'll do my best. A swell little lady. Incidentally, Charlie, uh, you were on duty last night? Yes, sir, Mr. Keene. You're sure she didn't leave the theater? <laughs> she couldn't have. Not without creating a riot. Why? The place was surrounded with autograph hounds. Oh. Well, now, Skip, uh, if we could have a look in her dressing room. Oh, sure, right this way. I told the house manager to leave it exactly the same as it was last night. Good idea. Uh, thank you, Charlie. I'm glad to oblige you, Mr. Keene. Well, Skip, I gather your review is staying on at this theater. Yeah, another week. With a replacement for Lola. Uh, here we are now. After you. Uh, thank you. Hmm. Usual dressing room. Chair, dressing table, wardrobe trunk. Yeah, that's right. And telegrams of congratulations. Paste it up on the mirror. Yeah. Sing, canary, sing. I love you, I love you, I love you. Repeated two dozen times. Now, the telegrams are mostly from Larry Reeves. Reeves? Yeah. Oh, he's a well-known Broadway playboy, isn't he? Yeah, with more money than is good for him, too, and more wives. Married four times, divorced four times. I gather he wanted Lola for the fifth? Yeah, been making quite a pitch. Even a smart kid like Lola got to believing him. They were almost engaged. Almost? Yeah, he sent Lola a ring last week. Diamond like a headlight. <laughs> Did it burn him when Lola sent it back? Hmm. I suppose this is her costume trunk. That's right. Hey, you don't think... Is there a key around? A uh, key? Uh, there's one on the dressing table. Oh, we'll try it. Uh, these are her costumes, Kit. Yeah, some of them. I remember others. Oh? Where, the, where are they? Where are they? I wouldn't know. Oh, Skip. Hey, Skip. Now, that's Tommy Toller, my band leader. Hey, Skip. We start the first show in ten minutes. Yeah, I know. This is Mr. King. How do you do? Oh, how do you do? Oh, yeah. You said you were going to ask him to. Hey, that reminds me. Of what, Tommy? Well, I wanted to mention it before, but I didn't want to talk out of turn. Well, come on. Give, Tommy, will you? You know my goofy saxophone is Terry Forbes. Uh, yeah. Harry's had a crush on Lola for months. Hanging around and pestering her day and night. Well, right after you left the stage last night, Skip, and we started pistol packing Mama, remember? Yeah. Harry signaled it. He whispered he's got to leave the stage. Oh, he looked so crazy. I said, all right. So he slips out behind the drape. Very interesting. And then I don't see him for 15 minutes. And the funny part about it... What was, was so funny about it? Oh, hello, Harry. What was so funny? All right. I'll say it right to your face, Harry. You walked off the stage carrying a gun. We all had guns, phony guns for the pistol packing number. Now, just a minute. Am I to understand you use guns, pistols, as stage props for the performance of the number of pistol packing mama? Yes, Mr. Keene. But the rest of us had our guns on stage. He could have had his loaders. Are you trying to say If that... anybody wanted to shoot Lola, that was the time to do it. During all that noise. You skunk. No, your band leader is right, Paul. It was his duty to tell us. Why did you go off the stage? Oh, 
Because I felt sick. I wanted to take a pill. I told him that. Okay, okay. Okay, nothing. One of these days, you have to get yourself a new saxophone. Uh, hey, Harry, wait a minute. No, now, wait. Never mind, Skip. And thank you, Mr. Tolan, for this information. Oh, I figured I had to tell you, Mr. Keene. That guy's wacky. Well, the curtain's in five minutes. Yeah, I'll be there. Well, Mr. Keene, how does it add up to you? It doesn't, yet. Better get along for your performance, Skip. The performance, yeah, yeah. You'll be sticking around. Right here in the dressing room. Okay. Telegram. I love you. I love you. I love you. Miss Yes? I was waiting till the others went away. Who are you? I'm just a dresser around here. Take care of the performance clothes. Well? Look, uh, this note. She gave it to me last night. She said that if he came again, I was to give it to him. In excitement last night, I forgot. You better have it. Thank you. Hurry. Hurry. Now, quick, put it in your pocket. That's Larry Reed, Mr. King. You know, the playboy. Hey, Marie, why didn't you answer when I called? Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Reeves. I didn't hear you. Any word yet about Lola? No, Mr. Reeves, nothing. Who's this? Anybody? Can't be. I don't know. Thank you. Gold digger, she's going to run out on me. She's not a gold digger. I shut up. I won't have you talk that way about her. I know a kind playing hard to get. Come and find me. When I do, I'll wring a little neck. Break every bone in her body. Oh, he's just awful, that Mr. Reeves. Thinks that for money he can have anything. But Miss Bennett's not his kind. What about this note? She said to give it to him if he came around again to bother her. He was explaining last night? Every night. The doorman was told to keep him out, but there's a way of coming through the front of the house, Mr. King. Oh, I see. Uh, don't open that note here, please, sir. Very well. And if Mr. Skip Gordon asked for me, tell him I went back to my office. <laughs> Have you know, Miss Ellis, I don't make a practice of reading other people's mail. But good heavens, this is a matter of life or death, perhaps. Oh, come on, what does it say? Well, I'll read it. Dear Larry, I've sent back your ring, and that must end it. In my 26 years, I've found there is one quality in people that I cannot stand, selfishness. It once cost me a terrible lot, the worst years of my life. If I married you, it would be the same all over again. Well. So it must be goodbye. And please stop threatening. Please? Selfishness. The worst years of my life. What does it mean? Yes, what? As a matter of fact, Miss Ellis, we know almost nothing about Lola Bennett. Skip has known her only six months, and she's never talked of the past. Well, what's the difference? It's no point... Great to read. And other evidence points to Forbes, the musician. No, I've got to know a whole lot more about that girl. There's only one way to find out. How? You know the uh, weekly newspaper Footlight? Oh, sure. The Bible of show business. Well, I'd like Mike Clancy to go back through their files and dig up every single mention that was ever made of Lola Bennett. Right, Mr. Keene. Now get hold of Mike at once. under suspicion and the disappearance of Lola Bennett. And Mr. Keene goes on with his search. Meanwhile, girls, something to blame. Teeth that rob them of charm when they smile. Thousands of men whose livelihood depends on selling themselves to others have the same weakness of appearance to blame. 
They don't know it or notice it, but the people they contact do. You may or may not be one of those people, but if you have the slightest suspicion that you are, try the new Colonel's toothpaste, the high-polishing toothpaste. You'll find Colonel's helps remove those dingy, unattractive surface stains from your teeth. Brings out all the natural luster and brilliance that adds so much to your smile. Start using the new Colonel's tonight. Remember, it's a high-polishing toothpaste. You can get Colonel's K-O-L-Y-N-O-S, Colonel's Toothpaste, at any drugstore. Now back to Mr. Keene's office and the continuation of the case of the lovely singing star, Lola Bennett. Well, here you are, boss. I got three back numbers of Footlight that mention her. Oh, thanks, Mike. The first goes back about eight years when she was just a kid. Mm. A review of a portable act that opened in St. Paul. Billy, the song and dance man. The viewer says a strictly mediocre act. It may do for the sticks, but will never make the palladium. Now, this paragraph here. Accompanying Billy was a pretty little stooge called Lola Bennett, who had nothing to do but be sung at. Now look at the second paper, Mr. King. four years later from Akron, Ohio. Now the act is called Billy and Lola. About this minor league vaudeville act that premiered here last night, Nothing much can be said for or against the male heart, Billy. But the little blonde who shared the bill, Lola Bennett, showed unusual promise. Two of her numbers, sung with refreshing sincerity, brought down the house. Very interesting. Read that third item, boss. It goes back just two years. Now the act is called Lola Bennett and Billy. <laughs> right. One of the most novel fan singers heard in these parts lately opened last night as a star. Voice full of honey and captivating personality. Should go far with the right training. The act was completed by a novelty instrument number from Billy. Different, but was it good? Well, boss, what do you make of it? The old story of show business. The pupil outgrowing the master. Lola made the palladium, but Billy never did. Billy? Whoever you are. That's your private phone, boss. Hello. Hello. Keen Company. Keen, this is Harry Forbes. Do you know the saxophone player? Yes. Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Forbes. I'm going to talk straight out. I want you to lay off me. But, my dear fellow... Don't try to put Lola's disappearance on me. I had nothing to do with it. How did you ever get my private phone number? From Skip Gordon, and I've warned him, too. Lay off me or else. Or else what? Lay off me, that's all. You hear any of that, Mike? Oh, I did. A maniac. Well, don't you think that he... Well, with the suspicions we got... Oh, never mind. For another reason. Each of these reviews mentions other acts that appeared on the same bill, Mike. I'd like to find some of those other people. It take a lot of digging. But it may give us very valuable information. Try the booking agencies, Mike, and the Actors Hotel at once. Okay. I'm on my way. <laughs> Mr. Keene, that somebody remembers me after all these years out of show business. I gather, Mrs. Hall, that you once had a comedy act? Ah, uh, what not, but it made folks laugh. On at least one occasion, you played the same theater with a song and dance man called Billy. Billy? Uh, oh, sure. Kind of a sour puss. Why do you say that? Well, I had his heart set on getting to Broadway. Wasn't good enough. What was his surname, Mrs. Hall? Surname? Billy, that, that's all he was ever called. Do mm. you remember his partner? Oh, 
Sure, Lola Bennett. He hired her in St. Paul after his regular partner walked out on him. But what's become of Billy? Billy? Oh, well, I couldn't tell you. Yes, Major Shiny? I'm looking for an old performer called Billy. I remember him, Mr. Keene. My midget act proved all over Canada with him one winter in a unit show. Really? My, but what his wife had to put up with. Wife, did you say? Yes, Lola Bennett. Oh, they were married. Two years by then, but they weren't happy. Billy was so jealous. Of the fact that she was becoming more successful than he? That's right, Mr. Keene. He took to drink. Actually beat her up one night. I tried to stop him. Oh? He threatened to walk on me. Oh, a bad character. What was his surname? I never knew. Would you have a photograph of him? No, sir. Thank you. Still one more chance. Sure, I know, Mr. King. When I was hopping on a Jackson circuit, see, I used to do a soft shoe number like this. Charming, Mr. Foley, charming. Yeah, but strictly past day. I'm working up a new routine now like this. Uh, if I may be so rude, Mr. Foley. Yeah? How were they getting on when you knew them? Oh, terrible. You see, the booking agents were thumbs down on him. Why? Well, they said he trapped the act. The ball and chain. The guy tried everything. He even worked up a, a novelty, a solo, and a song on five different instruments. You know, one after the other. Mm. Still no soap. But Lola stuck by him. Much good it did her. Guy was a maniac. Talking crazy all the time. About making a palladium. Hitting Broadway. Well, it got so bad... He finally had to divorce them. I see. By the way, what instruments did he play in that novelty number? Mm, clarinet, fiddle. The saxophone, too? Yes. Yeah. Saxophone, all right. Yeah, that was his best. Did you by any chance have a photograph of him? A photo? Let's see. Uh, Winston Buffalo. Yes. We all gave a hospital benefit, and the newspapers took photos. Could you find that photograph? Well, now if I dig around on my book, I, I might. Let's have a look. Ian and Company. This is Skip Gordon, Mr. Keene. Oh, good morning, Skip. I haven't heard from you in days. Any news, Mr. Keene? There may be tonight. I can reach you at the Palladium still? Yeah, and yeah, we're on for the rest of this week. You know, I got some news for you. Really? Harry Forbes, the saxophone player, walked out of the band last night. We can't locate him. Hmm. That puts the finger on him, I guess. It certainly looked like that. If he's the guy, if he harmed Lola in any way. Oh, Skip, uh, to be perfectly frank, I'm afraid somebody has harmed her. King. Who? How? I'll probably have the answer for you tonight. Meanwhile, I must use the phone for a very important call. Okay. See you tonight. Hello? Guys, up, Club. Good. I'd like very much to talk to your manager. Good evening, Charlie. Uh, good evening, Mr. Keene. 
Any luck yet locating Lola Bennett, Mr. Keene? Yes and no. I don't get it. In a few minutes, a package may arrive here at the Palladium for me. Ask the delivery man to wait before bringing it in. I want to talk to him. Yes, sir. Meanwhile, where's Mr. Skip Gordon? On stage, introducing a number. By the way, Charlie, the uh, night that Miss Bennett disappeared, was anything moved out of here? No, sir. Uh, but something came in. Uh, some prep for our next stage show. I see. Well, uh, Mr. Gordon should be coming off the wings any minute now. New singer? Yeah, replacing Miss Bennett. But not half as good. Oh, I see Mr. Gordon there now. Hello, Mr. Keene. Hello, Skip. Well, what's the word? Skip, you may have to brace yourself for really bad news. Dead, huh? Dead. Yes, I'm afraid so. The final sacrifice to a very selfish man. Oh. Forbes? Reeves? I'll kill whoever it was. Steady, Skip. We'll see that justice is done. Lola was such a swell kid. Time for you to go on stage again, huh? Yeah. Yeah, the show goes on. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's your master ceremony again. About to introduce the rip snorting arrangements of the hits of the season. This old pack and mama. Oh, Mr. Keene. Keene. Yes, Charlie, I'm coming. Uh, the delivery man came. He's waiting for you. Good, Charlie. I'll walk back with you. If you want any help bringing it in, I... Uh, all that noise. Come, let's find a quiet place. Go into this dressing room. No. No. This was Miss Bennett. You don't believe in ghosts, Charlie. Why, what do you mean? Charlie, look at this wardrobe trunk with Miss Bennett's costume. Oh, what about it? She really had two trunks, too. When the express company came that night to deliver a certain stop, somebody ordered one of the trunks taken away. Where to? The address was already labeled on, just as on this one. It was sent to the next place where Miss Bennett was engaged to sing, the Skytop Club. Who? Who was responsible for that? It's no mystery to me any longer. A very jealous man, a former husband. I think of producer. You stay here. I'm staying nowhere. Oh, yes, you are. I'm going out now to have the delivery man bring in that package for me. Listen, Keen. I'm not staying. You're going to watch me open Miss Bennett's second trunk. The one that went to the Skytop Club. I'm having it brought in. I'm watching nothing. We'll open the trunk right here in our dressing room. Just between ourselves, there are police stationed at every exit. The killer will never get out of this theater. You, you found her in the trunk? <laughs> Let me out of here. I... Oh, you're staying right here. I'm locking you in this festival. Hello, Skip. I came off for a breather while the band is playing. What's that? Skip, my boy. It's too bad that Lola didn't meet somebody like you years ago. Unfortunately, the man she did once marry was insanely jealous and possessive. He couldn't bear to see her succeed where he had failed. She tried her best to help him, but... Well, I... I'd like you to know this much, Skip. She loved you for your generosity. He valued you about anybody in the world. But but who killed her? Who was the man? A man she ran into again the moment she reached this test three weeks ago. Donald! Those pistol shots! 
Didn't you notice something peculiar then, Skip? Uh, what do you mean? One shot was nearer than any of the others. Creepers. Creepers, you mean? It came from this dressing room. Quick, get that door open. Charlie, the doorman. He shot himself. Get it, the doorman. Mr. Keene, was he the guy? Yes. Who... Her former husband. That's the way he killed Lola that night. He fired the pistol during the band number. Charlie. A doorman. An old and disappointed performer. He made the Palladium with the most tragic performance of his life. And so ends the case of the girl who sang too well. Listen next week at the same time as Mr. Keene brings us another of his baffling cases, The Man Who Didn't Come Home. Today, the girl or woman who wants to be popular knows that one of her most important assets is a charming smile and teeth that sparkle and gleam. Knows that no matter how smartly she may dress or make up, teeth that are dingy and discolored looking instantly create an unfavorable impression. And the same is true of the man in business, whose very livelihood depends on selling himself. He knows how quickly discolored looking teeth can bring failure. That's why today thousands of smart and successful men and women are changing to the new Kalanos high-polishing toothpaste. Go for your own sake. Try the new Kalanos toothpaste yourself. It works like a jeweler's polish on tarnished silver. Dulled, revealing the natural brilliance and sparkle of your teeth. Ask for Kalanos toothpaste. K-O-L-Y-N-O-S. At your drugstore tonight. <laughs> You've just been listening to Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. Now on the air at a new time, every Thursday night, 7.30 to 8 Eastern Wartime over this network. Don't miss Mr. Keene next Thursday night when the kindly old Tracer turns to the case of the man who didn't come home. This is Larry Elliott saying goodnight for the makers of Common O'Steel Face and Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. Stay tuned for Burns and Allen next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for George Burns and Gracie Allen. Another cup of Maxwell House coffee, George? Sure. Pour me a cup, Gracie. Maxwell House is always good to the last drop. Oh, that's good, too. Yes, it's Maxwell House coffee time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. <laughs> With yours truly, Bill Goodwin, our postman Mel Blank, and the music of Meredith Wilson News Orchestra. And as our special guest tonight, Harpo Marx. For your Thursday night enjoyment, it's George and Gracie. And for your everyday coffee drinking enjoyment, it's Maxwell House. With extra flavor in the blend, because of choice Latin American coffee, skillfully combined. Extra flavor in the cup because Radiant Roast develops the full flavor of every coffee bean. And the result is that today more people buy Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee in the world. 
Well, this morning, we find the Burnses in their living room, where Gracie has just finished writing one of her daily newspaper columns. There. All done. And one of the best columns I've ever written. What's today's column about? All about my wonderful idea to solve inflation. What's your idea? Well, why not establish a board to control prices and not let them get too high? <laughs> uh, we have a board like that. It's called OPA. You mean someone stole my idea before yes, I even got it? around? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, darn. Uh, what did you say the board was called? OPA. How do you spell it? <laughs> OPA are initials. They stand for Office of Price Administration. My goodness. How did you find out all this stuff? There's a leak in Washington. <laughs> oh, what I know Max Gordon. Dory. <laughs> I'll put this all in my column. Boy, I'd like to see Drew Pearson's face when it appears. Oh, yes. He'll be amazed. Oh, I'll say. He'll probably sit up all night and wear himself out working on the same idea. And then tomorrow morning, he'll read my column and there he'll be. Pooped and scooped. <laughs> Made a double act out of him, huh? Uh, Gracie, let's stop this nonsense. You know absolutely nothing about national affairs. Oh, no. Well, you just ask me any question about national affairs, and I'll snap out an answer just like that. Okay. Who's the Speaker of the House? I don't know. Next question. <laughs> What's Secretary Schwallenbach's job? Never heard of him. Keep coming, brother. That's enough. And you compare yourself to a man like Drew Pist. Why, he knows everybody in Washington who has a job. So do I, and some Republicans, too. <laughs> You're a good mixer. A anyway, my column is different from Mr. Pearson's. He only writes political news, but I write all kinds, even Hollywood gossip. Hollywood gossip? Mm -hmm. Now, uh, listen, listen to this little tidbit from my tomorrow's column. I say, it is rumored about the Hollywood night spot that Clark Gable wears false ears. <laughs> Gable wears false ears? Now, I don't say he does. I only say that's the rumor. But where did the rumor come from? I started it. Gracie, <laughs> you can't print stuff like that. You have to stick to the truth. Who wants to read the truth? It's too dull. Oh, fine. And I take my second item. It says, is Margaret O'Brien really a 37-year-old woman? <laughs> but she isn't. Do I say she is? I just ask. <laughs> Murder. And here's my third item. Boris Karloff, Hollywood's leading horror man, has had his face lifted. In his next picture, he will play the part of Tom, the fun-loving rover boy. Gracie, you can be sued for libel. You just can't say Hi, things Francis. like Well, what goes on here? Oh, I'm bawling Gracie out because of all the stuff she puts in the newspaper column. Tomorrow she was going to say that Hollywood's leading horror man had his face lifted. Really? They didn't do a very good job on you, George. <laughs> Uh, look, a comic. Yeah, uh, Gracie has been printing lies in her column, and I don't like it. I've always been honest. Well, sure you have. Why, when I was a when I was a little kid, I picked Lincoln as my hero because he was called Honest Abe. I copied him. I followed him. You voted for I him. Vo <laughs> oh, what's the use? Only kidding, George. You know, Gracie shouldn't use those phony gossip items. 
What she needs is a fellow to snoop around and dig up stories that actually happened. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. Would you like to take the job, Bill? Well, no, Gracie, I wouldn't have time, but I will give you a hot flash to use in your column tomorrow. A juicy bit of scandal. Yeah, what is it? Well, you can say that the handsomest young actor in Hollywood kissed a married woman while her husband just stood there with a stupid look on his face. Oh, really? When did that happen? Just now. So long. <laughs> Someday I'll punch that guy right in his dimple. Oh, don't be happy. Bill's plan will solve everything. I'll get somebody to spy on the stars and tell me what they see. But who'll you get? Oh, why don't you do it, George? A job like that would be a nice change from, from, well, whatever it is you do. You mean give up my pickle straw? <laughs> Me spy on people, oh no Oh, please, dear Nothing doing I'd have to follow Betty Grable around I'd have to peek into Lana Turner's window And hide under Rita Hayworth's Say, that wouldn't be a... Charles. Okay <laughs> Come in Good morning, all. Good morning, all. Meredith, you may be the very man I'm looking for. I need someone to collect gossip for my column. Then I'm your man, Gracie. Back in my hometown of Mason City, Iowa, I used to do a gossip program on the radio. Called it uh, Inside Mason City with Scoop Wilson. <laughs> Good thing it wasn't Don Wilson. You couldn't get Inside Mason City with Don Wilson. <laughs> Meredith, what sort of items did you do? Well, uh, I'd usually open with a shocker to get their attention. Something like, Flash, what Holstein is holding hoofs with what popular bull? <laughs> that was the shocker that got their attention. Yes. Then I'd broadcast news of special interest to the Iowa farmers. The uh, progress of the fight against the corn borer. The latest news... What's of... a corn borer, Meredith? Well, that's just what the name implies, Gracie. A pest who loves corn and who loves to bore. They call it the corn borer. I thought they called you Scoop Wilson. Sure. <laughs> well, it's a little joke, yes. Well, I'll see you two geniuses later. This conversation upsets me. Uh, do you think I might qualify as your snooping reporter, Gracie? No, I'm afraid not, Meredith. No. I need someone who can sneak right into people's homes and spy on them. See. I saw a thrilling spy picture called Night in Casablanca. Maybe you could hire someone from the cast. Oh, were there any exotic, seductive spies in the picture? Oh, yes. There was one very attractive blonde spy. His name was uh, Harpo Marx. Harpo Marx? <laughs> yeah. In Night in Casablanca, all of the Marx brothers are spies. It was a thrilling picture. I was glued to my seat for two hours. Glued to your seat? Well, wasn't it embarrassing when you got up and your pants didn't? <laughs> By the ex expression, glued to my seat, I uh, simply meant I couldn't leave. <laughs> I, uh, all of Crosby's horses couldn't have pulled me away. Well, some glue is stronger than others. <laughs> Meredith, you've given me a wonderful idea. I have? I'll go over to the Moss Brothers' house and hire one of them as my snooping reporter. Which one will you get, Gracie? Well, either Groucho or Chico. Harpo doesn't talk. That's right. He's the dumb one. All he does is chase beautiful women. Yeah, well, he's not so dumb. <laughs> See you later, Meredith.
hope the Marx Brothers are home. Oh, it's Harpo. How do you do, Harpo? I'm Mrs. George Burns. Oh, thank you. You think I'm pretty, huh? My uh, figure does things to you. Uh, you just can't take your eyes off my face. I'm young and alluring and irresistible siren. Um, I fascinate you. Oh, you little devil, what a line you've got. <laughs> um, tell me, um, where are your brothers, Groucho and Chico? Oh, oh, I see playing cards. What are they playing, poker? Uh, bridge? No. Well, what are they playing? Oh, oh, Jim. <laughs> you know, I can understand you just fine. How would you like to be my snooping reporter and go around and spy on people? Oh, wonderful. Now you can come to my house and cook for Are you serious, Gracie? You hired half or marks as your snooping reporter? For sure. What good is he? He doesn't talk. But he honks. So does a goose, and, and that you can eat. <laughs> you better get rid of him. Well, I, I've got him out working on all kinds of scoops right now. For instance, wouldn't it be wonderful if he could uh, get the inside story of how Mickey Rooney kisses his wife goodbye? Huh? Well, maybe he can find out the name of the fellow who boosts him up. <laughs> uh, I see what you mean. Oh, there's Harpo. Well, you bet he's got a wonderful scoop. Come in. Hello, Harpo. Oh, I'd like you to meet my husband, George. And beep beep to you. Uh, did you uh, bring me the scoop, Harpo? Good, let's have it. Oh, no, not a cold scoop. Smart as a whip, this kid. Harpo, let me explain to you what a scoop is. For instance, if you knew a story about one of Hollywood's great lovers that no one else knew, that would be a scoop. Oh, you mean you've got such a story? Oh, wonderful. Who's the great lover? Clark Gable? No, huh? Errol Flynn? Not him either. Jerome Power? Well, who is it then? Here. Now, George, this might be a very interesting story. Tell me about it, Harpo. I suppose there's a girl involved. Oh, well, I don't know if that's three plain ones or one knockout. Oh, one knockout. Then you uh, have a rival, I suppose. Oh, I thought so. What sort of a fella is he? He doesn't like a fella. No, he sounds like a cat. Now, when did all this take place, Harpo? Oh, yeah, I see. Saturday night. <laughs> now, exactly what happened on Saturday night? Oh, you called on your girl. Uh, were her mother and father home? Oh, just her mother. <laughs> this is the greatest story since Lost Weekend. 
Well, what happened next, Harper? Did you take your girl over to the sofa? Uh-huh. And then what? Oh, I see. Well, how do you feel when you kiss your girl, Hoppo? <laughs> See, Harpo, it's too bad that you can't serenade the girls like Frankie Boy does. Ooh, that's right. You have your harp. Oh, show us how you woo the girls with that. Thank you. 
that was wonderful, but I still need a scoop for my column. Something exciting like a robbery. Find out who held up Hedy Lamar and Dorothy Lamore. And find out who held up W.C. Field. <laughs> oh, I didn't know he was held up. You don't think he can stand alone, do you? <laughs> oh, George, this is a serious assignment. Now, get going, Harpo. Uh, give me a big scoop on a robbery. Tracy, that guy's a complete jerk. He is not. He's a brilliant man, and he has a brilliant future. Brilliant future? Yes. He can't talk. I know. Wouldn't he make a wonderful congressman? <laughs> we want a reporter. Get rid of Harpo and get yourself someone intelligent. Come in. Good afternoon, Mrs. Burns. And Mr. Burns. Oh, hello, Mr. Postman. Hello, Mr. Postman. Did I interrupt the family, tete a I was just telling my wife she ought to get a new helper. The one she's got is a complete jerk. But she loves you, Mr. Burns. <laughs> oh, Mr. Postman, the helper George referred to is that famous fellow who's always chasing girls. He wears a blonde curly wig. Oh, Bill Goodwin. <laughs> yeah, that's close enough. If you two will excuse me, I'll see you later. Well, you still... Still didn't guess who my helper is, Mr. Postman. It's Harpo Marx. He's my snooping reporter. Oh, I see. How would you like to help him snoop? As a postman, you visit all the celebrities' homes. I'm sorry, Mrs. Burns, but postal regulations forbid a letter carrier to use his position or equipment for personal gain. <laughs> I can't even blow my postman's whistle at a girl. Oh, really? <laughs> That's right. I did it once and got 17 years at hard labor. Oh, just for blowing your whistle at a girl? Yes. I later married her. <laughs> well, I guess you can't help me then. No, but here comes Mr. Goodwin. Perhaps he can suggest someone. Yeah, I'll ask him. Hello, Bill. Hi, Gracie. Good afternoon, Mr. Goodwin. Good afternoon, Mr. Post. <laughs> Bill. I hired Harpo Marx as my snooping reporter, but George doesn't think he's so good. Really? Well, why'd you hire Harpo? Well, he's a spy in the Marx Brothers' new picture, Night in Casablanca. Oh, well, yes, I saw the picture last night, Gracie. What a love scene with Carol Davis. Wow. Oh, no, Bill. The girl in the picture was Lois Collier. Well, yeah, but I was in the balcony with Carol Davis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Goodwin. When, Mr. I envy you your gay romantic life. I do. <laughs> Always a different girl. Once you marry one, the glamour is gone. Really, Mr. Postman? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what a mess at night. Wrinkle cream, foundation cream, chin strap, curlers. Oh, but Bill wouldn't give that up just because he got married. <laughs> Tracy, I'll have you know I employ no such devices to enhance my charm. All I use is a few drops of a tantalizing scent that women can't resist. Oh, so that's the secret of your appeal. Well, yes. Behind each ear, I put a wee drop of Maxwell House coffee. <laughs> Maxwell House coffee? Well, Mr. Postman, can you think of anything that has a more delightful fragrance, a more inviting aroma? Maxwell House is appetizing, rich, full-bodied, and mellow coffee at its full-flavored best. Good to the last drop. Well, we finally found out what happens to that last drop. 
<laughs> Bill puts it behind his ear. Why don't you try it, Mr. Forsman? Maxwell House has a universal appeal. As a matter of fact, more people buy and enjoy Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee in the world. Really? Yes, of course. I'll bet if you try my little trick, Mr. Forsman, your wife will grab you in her arms and kiss you. What a horrible thought. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Postman, if your wife is like you say, how did she ever get you to propose to her? Oh, she turned my head. Oh, flattery, huh? No, she just took my head in her hands and turned it. To <laughs> oh, goodbye, folks. Remember, keep smiling. <laughs> Oh, good, there's Harpo with my scoop. Come in. Hello, Harpo. The sunset bus is back. <laughs> well, Harpo, did you get a story about a robbery? <whistles> Wonderful. Harpo, I want to apologize. Let me shake your hand. Uh, what did the robber steal? Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. A piece of silverware just fell out of a sleeve. He must be the robber. Oh, no, not Harpo. He probably just had lunch at the Brown Derby and picked up a souvenir. <laughs> he had breakfast and dinner there, too. <laughs> a fine man, you hired, Grace. He's nothing but a crook. A no good Oh, thieving... now, don't get so excited, George. Calm down. I'll go in the kitchen and get you a glass of water. Harpo Marks. Shame on you. Breaking the law for three lousy knives. <laughs> For five lousy knives. <laughs> For six lousy. Kitchen sink. <laughs> That's true, huh? I feel sorry for the poor sucker you stole this all from. Oh, George, I couldn't get you a glass of water. Someone stole our kitchen sink. Arthur, <laughs> you mean I'm the guy you robbed? <laughs> you robbed the bank? <laughs> you robbed the bank? <laughs> you robbed... <laughs> Thank you. 
Until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's number one brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Oh, goody, goody, jello pudding. Tonight it tastes like grandma's only morsel. You ain't kidding, that's right. And just as jello thinks delicious, locked in flavors can't be beaten. So the proof of Jell-O puddings in the evening. The Jell-O twins are hard to find, but keep on looking in your store. When sugar shortages are over, there'll be more. Just a taste of Jell-O pudding or a Jell-O and you know. It's the one and only J-E-L-L-O. Join us again next week when we're all be back. George Burns, Tracy Allen, Meredith Wilson's orchestra... And yours truly, Bill Goodwin. Stay tuned to this station because Bird's Eye Open House, starring Dinah Shore, is coming on in just a second. Dinah's special guest tonight is Peter Laurie. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Mr. District Attorney, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.